there are answers out there. Keep pushing the envelope. You really have to advocate for yourself in this day and age. Always get second opinions. Be a little stubborn. And I think, especially in the next 10 to 20 years, like some of this stuff is going to be completely sorted out. So just have faith, hold on, experiment with given research and the journey to healing. And some of it's not even clinical. Some of it is diet, meditation, getting yourself into that mindset of healing. If you're, yeah, if you're just thinking how your injury is debilitating yourself all day long, there's no neuroplasticity that's going to happen there. You have to break through that plateau and it's going to be hard, but you can do it. Hi, this is Nikhil coming to you from Chicago with the Shelley story. My wife Shelley and I wrote a book and are currently working on a movie about our journeys with mental health, specifically bipolar disorder. As an offshoot of that, we've developed a podcast called The Shelley Story, where we speak to people from a broad variety of backgrounds about diverse issues. Typically, we discuss bipolar disorder, depression, anxiety, other forms of, of mental illness, but today's episode is a little bit of a different flavor. We haven't talked about Geostar too much on this podcast, but I did want to say a little bit about it here. Geostar is the Global Institute of Stem Cell Therapy and Research, founded about 15 years ago by two incredible people, Devin Patel and Dr. Anand Srivastava. Shelley launched the first U.S. clinical center, Geostar Chicago, about four years ago, and it's really opened our eyes to the power of therapies that are outside of the norm of the tried and true, such as surgery and medication. It's really made us realize the importance of owning your health and not just going with solutions offered by mainstream healthcare. So I'm very excited in that regard to speak to today's guest, Kane McQuinley. Shelly and I have been introduced to Kane through our mutual friend, Devin. I've always been very impressed by Kane's story and his ability to beat the odds and turn adversity into triumph on many fronts. So I'll go ahead and tell you a little bit about Kane. Kane is a modern healthcare entrepreneur who wears many hats in today's ever-changing medical landscape. Primarily, his roles include serving as CEO of Regenerative Ops, a medical distribution company he founded in 2019, and as Corporate Relations Officer for Veterans in Pain, a medical nonprofit that serves the communities of wounded veterans. After a life-changing event that left him in a coma, Kane took his health into his own hands by exploring new age therapies, including regenerative medicine. Today, Kane focuses on using the knowledge he's gained firsthand and throughout his professional career to facilitate treatment for others, consult healthcare practitioners, and advocate for research in the regenerative medicine realm. So, Kane, thanks again for joining us. It's a real treat to have you on the show. Yeah, happy to be here. Kane had grown up, as he says, a normal farm kid in the middle of nowhere in Indiana. He grew up playing basketball and other sports, for which he credits his love of sports medicine. Two weeks after getting his driver's license at the age of 16, he suffered a very serious accident driving over a patch of black ice with his friends. The car went through a mailbox, a telephone pole, and hit a tree and folded around it like a taco and trapped him inside. It was a pretty horrific situation which left him bleeding from his eyes, nose, mouth, and ears. The tree had hit his body so hard and pulled the seatbelt so high that it pulled his organs into his chest and left him with two collapsed lungs and required abdominal reconstructive surgery. Additionally, his spleen was completely damaged and he broke his pelvis. The medics had to use the jaws of life to pry him out of the car and were finally able to get him to the Methodist Hospital in Indianapolis, 
And on the drive over, his heart stopped twice, and he lost over 16 pints of blood. They were finally able to stabilize him at Rushville Hospital. He was then in a drug-induced coma for 10 days. Interestingly enough, it was the intense commotion of Barack Obama's inauguration in 2009 that awoke him out of his coma. He was in the ICU for two to three weeks and finally then moved to the rehab unit. For about six weeks, he was heavily drugged up, and he said that he couldn't focus his vision. He had to wear an eye patch, and at one point, he said it was very similar to looking through a kaleidoscope for his vision. Kane said that with a TBI, it was essentially like starting from scratch. It took about eight months to go from being completely bedridden to walking without a cane. So I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I do want to understand the progression because obviously now you're working in regenerative medicine. You're doing stuff with this amazing organization with, with Veterans of Pain. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that journey looked like? Because we have a common thread here, the two of us in the regenerative medicine, because obviously with Geostar, our whole mission is to bring this non-traditional form of medicine, which is not necessarily practiced. It's not considered mainstream. So you obviously get it. And it's something that you're very passionate about. Can you take me through that journey? Because I guess the other thing I wanted to add is that was what inspired Shelly to launch Geostar was helping me with my healing journey, inspired her to try to help others and get up engaged in this altruistic mission. So I'd love to hear more about what that journey looked like for you and going from being in a hospital for such a long period of time, having those traditional treatment modalities thrown at you to being a pioneer in, in regenerative medicine. Yeah. Honestly, it started right there in the hospital room. I was so stubborn and I wanted to, I wanted to go do laps around the hospital like days after I woke up. These nurses were telling me like, you're crazy. You just be thankful you're alive. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to push this as hard as I could. I pushed it. And during that time on my free time, I would research all these modalities, supplements, anything that I could do just to give me that edge of healing myself. Yeah. And that followed me all the way through rehab, all the way through high school, became super interested in what people were doing to push that envelope. And so I went to university and I first studied pharmacology. I did not like that. Yeah. Um, it's a little, little bit too mathematical. Yeah. After that, I switched to sports medicine and that was great. Studying sports medicine, I thought, okay, these guys are on the cutting edge of healing athletes. And I consider myself an athlete too. So I knew all these athletic institutions, professional or university, they were pouring millions of dollars into research and development, different yeah. machines, different exercises, equipment, underwater treadmills, you name it. Yeah. When you think about all the success stories with people who are recovering from these life-threatening injuries, they're always, almost always athletes because they're the ones who have the financial resources to, to spend for those expensive treatments. So yeah, mm -hmm. sports medicine... I would imagine you're probably very right there on the forefront in terms of like cutting edge therapy. And it's just, uh, I noticed these athletes with their resources and the people they know, mm -hmm. they would suffer a career in the injury and they would go to Europe or do something crazy, some new alternative. Go to Europe. Hyper yeah. Hyperbaric oxygen, whatever. 
and they were getting better. And this wasn't available in Western medicine at your local hospital. That always interests me and intrigued me. And I knew that's the direction I wanted to head. So when I studied sports medicine university, it was a great program. My university sports medicine program. Yeah, sophomore and junior year, I did the rounds with the sports teams and you know, the athletic training and all that. And I just didn't quite feel at home. Taped up ankles or whatever, evaluating athletes that know how to spill or accident on the field yeah. or something. So I petitioned the dean of sports medicine my senior year hmm. to studies. And, how did you uh, come across it at that point? Because this was what, 2015, you said? Or yeah, 2015, 2016. How did you come across regenerative medicine? Peyton Manning. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I, Indiana legend. Yeah. 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 He messed up his neck. He went to Europe, came back, played for the Broncos, and won the Super Bowl. And I didn't even know Peyton Manning had stem cells. That's interesting. Yeah, he did. Injected into his spine, I believe. I don't. I can't remember the exact procedure, but yeah. I know that's what opened the door for me. And I was like, wait a minute, because Peyton Manning was a was a god in Indiana for. Oh yeah. So I found out he was doing that, and I was like, all right. Obviously, Virginia medicine is going to play a huge part in athletics ten years from now, right? The fact that our university doesn't have a program yet is a disadvantage to me because I want to study it now and be on the forefront of when this comes into fruition. So I petitioned the Dean of Sports Medicine to let me chat out some local orthopedic physicians that are sports medicine docs around the area, write some papers, et cetera. And she let me do it. The following year, she even did a, uh, she started doing a, uh, a lesson on it. I'm curious to know, because I got to imagine there were other people at Miami who would have been interested in this. Did you find that there was an appetite for regenerative medicine at the university, or did you have to completely go outside the confines of the campus? I didn't completely go outside. I talked to some of the, the uh, strength and conditioning coach about it, and like they were interested in it, but it just seemed like there was a lot of red tape. I wanted to learn it now, and I wasn't very patient. I probably still spent 70% of my time on campus. And in program classes, advanced kinesiology, stuff like that. Yeah. But the remaining 30% was just kind of stuff that I made up. I reached kind out of, yeah. completely out of the curriculum and just studied what I want to. Wow. That's incredible. So who were you talking to at the time? What was the cast of characters, I guess, you were interacting with on your regenerative medicine journey? I was talking to a couple of physicians at the Cincinnati Reds. I was talking to a couple of local orthopedic offices that treated athletes mm-hmm. and uh, spent some time with, I think, some like physiotherapists too, chiropractors, advanced PT. And I don't, it wasn't specifically regenerative medicine that it was, but right. a lot of other stuff I learned about as well, different modalities, yeah. hyperbaric, different, I guess, PEDs. And then I think we were talking about this, you had actually undergone stem cell therapy yourself. Can you... Talk a little bit more about that, sort of what that was like, and maybe some of the results you experienced, or what, like, because stem cell therapy, I mean, being in this field for about four years now, I think there's a lot of promise. There's definitely a lot of potential, but there's a lot of misinformation out there. My experience was extremely positive. I was very skeptical, even doing all that research and stuff at university and at the time i was living in california just it, it took a couple of years for me to save up for a uh, procedure and actually had a, a person i met sponsor me 
who's actually a, a rep. He's a rep okay. for one of the uh, stem cell manufacturing companies. And he just met me and listened to my story. And he was like, dude, I'm going to pay for your treatment. And we'll figure yeah, out that's incredible. We'll figure out a way to, for you to pay me back or whatever. So, yeah. like, send, send all the things like, that's yeah. my intervention or whatever you want to call it. That's incredible. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty crazy. I went to LA, met the doctor, discussed it, discussed expectations, procedure. I was very inquisitive, very skeptical. I wanted to know every single little thing because, you know, the symptoms I was dealing with was in the forefront of my life. Sure. Fatigue, muscle spasticity. Yeah. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about what living with TBI is like? Because I think it would be helpful for people to know. I remember muscle spasticity being really bad. And the thing with TBI, it's mm-hmm. the brain is a complex organ, right? It's, it's yeah. There's a million different a mystery. things going on. It. Yeah, yeah, it's a mystery. Yeah, there's a million th- different things going on. So depending on where you got hit and the force of that impact and and just everything, what the environment yeah. was, very sensitive. It sounds like yeah, yeah. It's, so the TBI spectrum is all over the place. So for me, my symptoms were muscle spasticity, fatigue brain fog. And you always have this feeling that you weren't quite operating on all cylinders. Mm. Like a V8 engine, two of the cylinders were just done. They weren't working. And you were, yeah, yeah, the engine was still running, but it was never full bore. More than 100%. So, yeah. Yeah. And so that's what it felt and felt like. And sometimes it was difficult because your body physically couldn't do something that right. you've done three years prior. Mine was pretty bad. I'd, I'd, like I said, I'd retrain how to walk and really do everything. So yeah, I think that's a common feeling with people with TBI, no matter what their symptoms are, they just don't feel quite connected. Like they're, they're just, there's some misinformation. There's, dis, there's a disconnect between, right. yeah, with, with, which the real it makes sense. Your brain tissue dies and your brain has to reroute some of those neural pathways. Yeah, yeah. And so that's to figure out how to do basic functions again, very different way for them to accomplish that. Yeah. But you mentioned you had obviously done stem cell therapy, but what are, and I think you alluded a little bit to some other treatment modalities you tried to manage TBI. Yeah. The first thing I tried was upper bearing oxygen therapy. I think I did 25 dives or something, an hour apiece. I'm obviously familiar with hyperbaric therapy, but can you talk a little bit more about it in a nutshell, like what it is exactly? Yeah. So you get in this chamber, they seal it up, and then it's saturated with oxygen. And uh, it's much more condensed than you normally would be outside or indoors or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's like filling your tank with 120 octane. Just super rarely you get oxygen. Yeah. yeah Supercharging your oxygen, you get that boost, mental clarity, also with like healing. Uh, they use it with like wound healing, also healing limbs, just overall good sleep. Celebrities, a bunch of celebrities and athletes have them, they just sleep in. Yeah. That makes sense if you were to hypersaturate your body with oxygen. The thing that keeps the lights on for a period of time. So, supposedly, the theory is that it regrows <laughs> or helps with neuroplasticity. Yeah. So, that's why I decided to do it. And uh, I got minimal results from it. I don't want to dismiss it. Mileage may vary. Mileage may vary. What I'm gathering is, as a treatment modality, it's good, but obviously, like your experience wasn't necessarily as didn't quite give you the results that you were hoping for. Yeah, I tried that first, got minimal results, and 
I was just exercising, eating right. A couple of years went by, and I really started to deteriorate, uh, especially in my hips and the arthritis. Just it really developed some chronic pain, inflammation, and I got to the point where like I, it was hard for me to uh, work a standing job, sure. and that's whenever I pulled the trigger on the uh, stem cell therapy, and I did an experimental procedure. Just a disclaimer, this was experimental. I did an IV infusion of uh, mesenchymal stem cells, and I believe I received some uh, mannitol to make the blood-brain barrier more permeable. And uh, after that, I think I got about three cc's, three or four cc's. Within hours after that, it just felt like somebody turned the lights on. I was really walking better. I was, like I was saying before, that this association between your brain and your limbs, so like not everything's connected. Yeah. You can just feel like this, uh, this, something was becoming more connected. Yeah. Like it was like this warm feeling. Like the glue was put back, things were glued back together. Yeah. Like this warm feeling that, okay, like I can, I have full control of my limbs now. It's not like a guess of, oh, I'm going to take this step and guess where it is. Yeah. That's a common thing with uh, people with brain injury too. And it just felt super connected, increased mood, cognition, everything improved. I felt. And this was within hours, you said, of the treatment? Yeah. Wow. It's incredible. And I think I progressed over the next two weeks. I kept feeling better and better. And maybe that first day was placebo. Who knows? But it definitely turned a corner for me. And I decided, all right this stuff, there's something to this stuff. I was very rebellious and stubborn and I found my own way, but there's a lot of kids out there, there are people in my position that just trust the system and they're never going to research this stuff and go out and get it. Yeah. That's when I decided that, okay, I'm going to work in this field and make sure that patients have access to regenerative medicine, whether it be tomorrow or 10 years from now. Sure. I want to continue pushing that envelope. That's what I do with all my projects right now, pushing the regenerative medicine envelope and getting it into practitioners' offices, gathering data, doing studies, clinical mm-hmm. studies, INDs, IRBs, yep. et cetera. You're involved right now with two organizations, Veterans in Pain and Regenerative Ops. Can you tell me a little bit more about those? Yeah, let's talk about Veterans in Pain. So sure. Veterans in Pain, VIP, currently serve as a corporate relations officer for them. So VIP is a medical nonprofit nationwide. And what we have is a network of over 150 active physicians across the U.S. that provide mostly orthobiologic solutions to our group of veterans who have been through the VA system with little to no results and want to see seek and outside treatment that is not yet available within the VA. And so simultaneously, we're providing data, gathering data about what procedure is done, what formality, what product, et cetera. And uh, we've been able to help out a lot of guys, a lot of guys that have just hit the wall through the VA system and maybe they don't want to get a total knee or the VA, they're starting to come around, but they don't even have a diagnosis for chronic pain in the system. Yeah. How are you getting connected with these veterans? I think it's an organic outreach or mm-hmm. organically they find our organization. 
they fill out a form online and determine whether or not they're a candidate for one of our positions or procedure. And then we do a meeting with them, get all their medical records, see if there is a physician in their area that does a specialty that they would need for the treatment and uh, place them with our physicians. They donate their time for free okay. and we send them a tax credit for the full value of the procedure. And they also get to help out a veteran who was not getting any results uh, within the government system. So it's yeah. great for them as well. Yeah. Sometimes, obviously, we're here to put food on the table and, and we have to make money. But just the ability to give somebody their life back, especially someone who's been so underserved as the veteran population has, can be just so incredibly rewarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got to be a, a real amazing feeling to get up every morning and be providing that service to people who wouldn't have otherwise received it. Yeah, that's great. Some of the stories I've heard and I just, some of the guys I've been in pain for so long and the stories of what they've done, like the secret missions and operations overseas. It's a, it's amazing to see what they've done and then like get frustrated on how they were, how they were treated once, once their body cut out. Yeah. So it's a we're in a really great position to help these guys out. We don't want to replace the VA. The goal here is to start doing these treatments now, get these results, show the data to the VA so they can adapt these practices. And that's already started to happen, at least with PRP. And, you, and your role there is corporate relations officers. When I think about that, I always think about maybe you're involved in forming partnerships with... Yeah with nonprofits, with corporations, with physicians. Can you talk a little bit more about that? What's your that's name? Exactly, that's exactly what I do. So anytime a physician group or a manufacturing company for a device or a product or really anything, any type of corporation that wants to help us, help our organization, help our veteran population, I can just make sure that I the business relationship is beneficial with both parties. I just kind of make sure that everyone is uh, has the best interest at heart. And yeah, you get a fair shape. Yeah. yeah, like I want to make sure that all these organizations have the, the veterans' best interest in, at the forefront. Of yeah, our relationship is structured. Yeah, who are some? What are some organizations you're working with? Are you guys working with the VA or, or not at this time? Yeah, we're working with a couple big players in the industry as far as orthobiologic kits, biologics, physician groups, conferences, orthobiologic training, workshops, organizations, things like that. So if let's say there's a veteran who's in extreme pain, whether they're suffering from TBI or whatever, any number of disorders, what's the best way for them to avail themselves of your services? They just go to the website and and fill out a form. That's exactly what they do. So uh, www.veteransinpain.org is a like veteran portal. They basically fill out an application and we'll be in touch with them. Okay. I think you mentioned something about a brace that has helped with some spinal disorders or mm-hmm. I don't want to misstate it here, but what are some of the other products and services that, that Veterans Pain offers to veterans? So a lot of orthobiologic surgeries whether that's knee, shoulder, spine, hip, we can do, we do some 
bracing, cervical spine bracing. We have some knee bracing, ankle bracing, some gait, improving gait stuff for stroke people. We work with physical therapists then, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. We have the whole spectrum with veterans in hang. We have every kind of medical professional you can think of. We have someone. We might not have a specific, we might not have a physiatrist like in a certain city that's yeah. close by. And so that's why it's important. And that's my job would be as well. If we have a veteran in a certain city, we don't have a physician for him there and he can't travel. Well, yeah. I, I do the outreach and try to locate a physician that will do the procedure for him. And it is, na- and you guys are nationwide because oh, yeah. obviously you're based in Las Vegas. Michaela, mm-hmm. the head of the company, she's in Los Angeles, I believe. Right? But your network is, is nationwide then? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Another treatment that I kind of want to talk about that we facilitate is ketamine, ketamine therapy. That has been amazing. And it's a, it's a cool story. I was researching it for TBI and the positive effects that it had on that. So doing some of the symptoms with that, I tried it myself and it was great. And so I approached with the idea that Michaela, I was like, look, all these guys that have all these injuries that have been three tours in Iraq and all this stuff, they have PTSD. They all have it. Yeah. And what is the treatment protocol right now? SSRIs? What are we doing? Yeah. These guys are... That, that actually, I, if, if, I don't mean to interrupt, but I wanted to understand, like, what is the typical treatment protocol for PTSD? Is it, you mentioned SSRIs, is it treated like the traditional mental disorders or what are some traditional therapies that are used? Yeah. Medication, therapy. I don't really think it's even that extensive. Yeah. Therapy side. So mm-hmm. I don't really think the VA has a very concrete mental health program. And I'm not speaking for every single center because interesting fact that mm-hmm. they're all independently run, all the VA hospitals in the country. But I would say as a whole, it seems like 75% of them are really lacking in the mental health department. Sure. Some of our vets that have went through the ketamine program with us have told me this is the last time was the best time of sleep I've gotten in 40 years. Wow. Stuff like that. Wow. That's amazing. So take us back then. So you had tried the therapy yourself and it was something that you had very good results with. So it's something that you went to VIP leadership and, and proposed rolling it out for veterans. Yeah, that's exactly how it went. I spoke to Michaela about it. And Michaela has actually done it herself too for chronic pain. Yeah. And her heads together and I was like, well, let me reach out to this doctor in Florida. And uh, he's been doing ketamine in the U.S. for like 15 years, like one of the first guys to do it. And I was yeah. like, let me talk and let's see if he's interested in uh, facilitating this kind of branch of VIP. And yeah. he was just a great guy. So we just started the program up and uh, started sending veterans to him and uh, I started healing. It's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. It's a very interesting product, obviously, because it's a little similar to stem cell therapy because in, not in the sense that it's got so much potential, but then there's a lot of apprehension about it just because obviously ketamine has been used as an anesthetic for many years, but then recently it's become regarded as a street drug. They call it special K and all kinds of other terminology. Yeah. 
What's the reaction been like from veterans? Like, is it something that they've been very receptive to, or have you had to overcome a lot of these reservations, or even doctors? I think there's been a dramatic shift the last couple of years. You'd be amazed at how many people, how many physicians reach out to me, and they just they want to know how to start doing ketamine in their practice. Okay. How many, okay. Is it a breakdown where it's these are physicians who are already providing ketamine to their patients, or are these doctors who are coming to you saying, hey, I'm interested in offering this to my patients? For the veteran, inform them about the program because, you know, yeah, yeah there's, I think with the general public, there is that stigma, but the medical community is definitely coming around and there's a lot of interest in it. And so the medical professionals are reaching out to me and they're wondering how to structure it, how they can start doing it, how to do yeah. it legally, what are the costs, all this stuff. I've never received a negative thing from a physician so far. Yeah. Speaking with the general population, they're like, ketamine, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. And I think uh, with mental health, there's a huge shift right now. I was telling you earlier, yeah, I was telling you earlier, I mean, we were at a event at a gala for NAMI Chicago, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And one of the physicians that they honored there was somebody who runs a service or runs a clinic in Chicago where they provide ketamine infusions. And actually the head of the organization who we interviewed, Alexa James, she had actually said that she had tried it herself. When I see developments like that, when mainstream organizations like NAMI are embracing other things outside of the box, it gives me hope because I think America has a long way to go in terms of looking for things that are actually going to help the sick population. But there are glimmers of hope. I think what you guys are doing is really that that gives me a lot of hope, especially when you look at the people that you're helping. These are people who have really not been served very well by the country that they risk their lives for. Yeah. So it's it's incredible to see the tide turning a little bit. Anything else you want to talk about with veterans in pain? Yeah. Any physician that wants to offer their services, you can reach out to me. There's a physician portal on the website as well. You can fill out an application and uh, we'll do a Zoom, me, Michaela, and uh, see where your practice is, see if there's a need. And uh, so we'd love to bring on any medical professional, any any really office that specializes in. I, I don't want to say alternative medicine, but uh, your new age yeah. medicine. So, yeah. How about yeah. regenerative ops? Maybe if you can talk a little bit about that. So regenerative ops is a nationwide uh, medical distribution company, primarily focused on biologics, kits, other material. And uh, we do some bracing DME as well. I was a, a rep for a single biologic company a few years ago. And uh, I met a physician and he liked buying for me. And he said to me one day that, Ken, I wish you sold this too, because the other rep, I don't like dealing with that. And okay. this light bulb went off my head. I was like, why am I limiting myself to representing one company whenever I could provide my physicians a tool belt of services and products? To where they can choose from and they can just work with one organization and then once covid happened there's even a, a better reason for it because no physician office wants eight reps coming into their door 
all day long, spreading germs and picking up their time. Whenever you yep. can have a single you want a sing, single point of contact, right? Single point of contact that can provide all these products, and there's less accounting, there's less the shipping, or stream, you know. streamlined. Yeah, yeah, it's way easier. So that's what I started doing. I started not signing no competes <laughs> and uh, just giving the physicians the power to choose what product they want for their patients, different price points, different quality points, et cetera. So mm -hmm. it's been great. And I have the freedom to pick and choose what product I want to represent or push. But uh, yeah, it's been very fun. And at the end of the day, this still providing these products is going into a patient at the very end of that timeline. When you yeah, say orthobiologics, I, maybe for people who might not be familiar with that, like what would be an example? I guess in, in layman's terms, what would be some of the products that Regenerative Ops offers? So Regenerative Ops has two branches, orthopedics and aesthetics. So in the orthopedics realm, mat kits, fat kits, right now it seems like autologous is looked at as okay to do right now in the current market. And for research purposes, in the university or an IND or an IRD, you know, there's the jelly exosomes, vocal cord matrix products, more of your bird tissue stuff. And then origin of mops aesthetics, that's all topical. And that's for topical use, they can use whatever. So they can use the exosomes, orange jelly, cord blood, whatever. Gotcha. And you work directly with physicians or do you do direct to consumer? I'm assuming which model uh, do you guys use? Oh, business to business. Yeah, I don't, I don't ever do real deal direct to consumers. My clients are physician offices across the U.S., usually private clinics, some hospital institutions, universities, but mostly that and international too. So you've had quite a journey. And I, if there's anything you could tell somebody, maybe if you were to tell your 16-year-old self or anybody who's gone through the journey that you've been through, what are some words of wisdom or insight or advice you would give to somebody maybe who is going through what you had gone through, like a, a traumatic brain injury, going through that type of debilitating accident? Yeah, I would say there are answers out there. Keep pushing the envelope. You really have to advocate for yourself in this day and age. Always get second opinions. Be a little stubborn. And uh, I think, especially in the next 10 to 20 years, like some of this stuff is going to be completely sorted out. So just have faith, hold on, experiment with given research and the journey to healing. And some of it's not even clinical. Some of it is diet, meditation, getting yourself into that mindset of healing. If you're, yeah. if you're just thinking how your injury is debilitating yourself all day long, there's no neuroplasticity that's going to happen there. Whatever you're struggling with, you're struggling with walking, go walk, go push it, exercise, do something you might be afraid of doing, go hiking. Make sure if you're having trouble with balance or anything like that, make sure there's someone there with you, but you have to break through that plateau and it's going to be hard, but you can do it. Now, I love what you talked about there with neuroplasticity. And I, I mean, that, that could be a whole other conversation, but that's just so important, especially when I look back on our journey, when it's you have a lot of control over your body's processes. I and mean, we all get older, we all go through calamities, there's wear and tear. 
but you really have to appreciate how much power you have as the conductor of your body's orchestra. These diseases don't just pop out of nowhere. Granted, there are some disorders that are chronic and they just defy treatment. And so those are very severe conditions and you probably see that every day. But that said, there was actually a study, I think, that something like 95% of, of genes can actually be regulated through a lot of the things that you were talking about, like meditation or exercise or deep breathing. So yeah, I'm, you're absolutely right. It's just uh, don't accept the diagnosis that's presented to you as, as gospel, as the phrase of fait accompli, that it's set in stone. There's a lot of power that we have and, and with the human mind that we can really shape our destiny. And I think you're a prime example of that. So, so right. you for, all, for all you've done. Yep. You might not be able to reverse it entirely, but right. I, you can always make progress. And that's the point I want to put in. If someone loses a, a leg or something, no, there's nothing you can do to get it back, but you can manage right. that. There's, there are orthotics and things that are being advanced every single day. I would just keep pushing the envelope. Like I said, that's helped me out a lot. And it keeps your mind off of what you don't have, what functions I don't, you don't have. Yeah. Gratitude, it's, I think is the key word. Yeah, just yeah. To, to be really grateful for what, what is possible. Yeah. That's true with me for sure. I still remember what it was like being in that hospital. So now I have the opportunity to be out of that prison. I was in the hospital for three months and lived in there. And so yeah. every day outside of that and just little things like playing fetch with my dog or something, I could not yeah. do that before. And now I can. Yeah, gratitude is important. Yeah. So I'm just going to put up here, if people are trying to get a hold of you, it looks like they can contact you at, uh, they can go to veteransandpain.org. They can go to regenerativeops.com and then they can email you at kane uh, at regenerativeops.com. Is there anybody, like, obviously there's doctors, but tell us like specific people you're looking to connect with that uh, that might be listening or maybe if this strikes a chord, like who are you looking to connect more with? Yeah, anyone that's interested in orthopedics, MDs, DOs, naturopathic physicians, they're cool too, very cool. And then on the aesthetic side, nurse practitioners, estheticians, clinic owners, et cetera. Okay. I also would love to connect with more people on the uh, psychedelic research side, ketamine, psilocybin, ayahuasca, mm-hmm. and that whole realm. That's super interesting, and there's a lot of progress that's being made there. I wish I knew more details. That's exploding right now. So anyone in that arena as well, that'd be awesome. Okay, perfect. Do you have anything else uh, you want to say before we wrap up? I don't. It's uh, just fun. It's great talking to you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much, Kane, for joining us. It was a real pleasure. Really appreciate it.